Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. All right, now what we're looking at is our spiritual gifts. We're discovering our spiritual gifts. And the Bible tells us that when uh, Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, He gave gifts to men. And so what we're trying to discern is what is my spiritual gift? What is your spiritual gift? And then how are those to be used in the local church? What does God want us to do with these things? Look at Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us now as we try to discern these gifts and understand what you say about them in your word and how we should uh, behave. And Lord, we're very thankful that you give us this information, this knowledge. And Lord, thank you that we're not all the same, that you've made us different. And Lord, we're very thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, discerning, discovering your spiritual gifts. The Bible says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Uh, Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling us, don't be ignorant about what God has given you to do. And what's fun is when you begin using the gifts that God has given you in ministry, the satisfaction and the fulfillment. You know, some, have you ever had a job that you just didn't do well? How many of you are in that job right now? Don't raise your hand on that. Um, you know, you feel like a milk bucket under a bull. You know, you're just in the wrong place. Ministry can be that way. You get plugged into doing something that you are simply not equipped to do. That's the purpose of this study, is to help you know what you are supposed to do. Now, three gifts God gives me when I trust Christ. What do I mean by trust Christ? Well, all of us are believing in something for eternity. Some people believe that there's nothing in eternity. Some people believe that when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. You're dead like Rover. You're dead all over. There's just nothing else. You're done. Well, if you believe the Scriptures, that's not true. And you know what's interesting is the Bible says that God has placed eternity in the heart of man. And so that's why when, a, when someone dies, children want to know where they are. They, they, they can't understand this idea of life ending. Why? Because it's not supposed to end. It's supposed to be eternal. So everyone is trusting something for eternity. Some people trust nothing. Other people trust their good works. They believe that they're going to be good enough to be able to go to heaven because they're good people. Other people trust Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. Which one of those do you think is what the Bible teaches? The last one. That, that Jesus Christ came to the earth because there are no good people. The Bible says there's none that doeth good, no, not one. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I, I, I just wanted to tell you this morning that there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. There's hope in Jesus Christ. There's life in Jesus Christ we are all sinners, every person in this room 
struggles with the weight of their own failures. Jesus Christ is the answer to all of that. And if you'll trust Him, what does it mean to trust Him? It means to believe what He said about your sinful condition and eternal life. What did He say? He said, we're all sinners, but He is the sinless Son of God. He came and died on the cross to pay for your sin and for my sin. What a wonderful thing. But He didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, conquering death and hell forever so that we can have eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus Christ came and lived the way I should have lived and then died the way I should have died. What an amazing truth that is. So what happens when you believe that? What happens when you ask Jesus Christ to save you? Understanding your good works can't save you, your baptism can't save you, your church membership can't save you. Understanding that, coming to Christ and receiving His free gift of eternal life. What happens? What do you get? Well, I get eternal life. What is eternal life? It's life that lasts forever, for eternity. Then, I also get His Holy Spirit. The Bible says very clearly, If any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his... Anybody saved today? You know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then the Holy Spirit came to dwell in you. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. We become one in Christ when we're saved. Isn't that wonderful? So we get His Spirit. And then we also get a special ability to use for His purpose. A special ability to use for His purpose. Last week, we looked at the gift of prophecy. Let's uh, look at this just as review. The biblical example of prophecy is Peter. And the idea is love without hypocrisy. It's very difficult for someone with the gift of prophecy to, to be hypocritical. Uh, it's just be very difficult for them to do that. Um, let me say this, and we talked about this briefly last week. And I'm going to, just as you have a handout here, I'm going to give you a handout for prophecy that's all filled in so you have that information. Remember, there's a difference between the gift of prophecy and the office of the prophet. There's a difference. The gift of prophecy is a speaking gift. It's not a discernment gift. It's a speaking gift. A prophet sees things in black and white, sees truth, and can't help but say it. All right? So it's the ability to speak for the Lord. Um, they abhor evil. They cling to that which is good. And they try to live with a clean conscience. It allows the prophet to speak the truth boldly with love. Now, when I say prophet here, remember, we're not talking about the office of the prophet. We're talking about someone with the gift of prophecy. The characteristic of one with the gift of prophecy, boy, that font is really small, isn't it? All right. The need to express themselves, quick impressions of people, alertness to dishonesty, desire for justice, open about their own faults, wholehearted involvement, loyalty to truth versus people, willingness to suffer for right, and persuasive in defining truth. The misuses of someone who has the gift of the prophet. Now, remember this. When someone has the gift of prophecy, just as in all of these gifts, God enables you to do something for Him, but having that giftedness, just as everything that God's created, there's a way to use it wrongly. All right, so those misuses are exposing without restoring. All right, tell them, you know, just completely shatter somebody with the truth and, yeah, <laughs> walk away. <laughs> and a, okay, I'm a loser. What do you want me to do with this? 
All right? Then jumping to conclusions, reacting harshly to sinners. I want to give you an example of reacting harshly to sinners. Um, on our Baptist History Tour, uh, we, um, I participate with the Baptist History Preservation Society. It's a group of preachers trying to teach others about the Baptist history. And we'll take a tour every year in some part of the country that Brother Jeff Faggart, the head of the organization, puts together. We were in Maine, uh, I guess it was last year, and we went to Colby College. Colby College in Maine was founded as a Baptist college, but now it's, it's a very liberal school. And as we're walking through campus, there were all the rainbow flags hanging out of the dorms, which is for gay rights. And so these preachers are getting really mad. And they're, they're just grumbling, and I'm hearing all these preachers talk about it. And I said, I finally, when we were all together, I said to the guys, Hey, guys, guys, they're lost. They need to be saved. A school like this, they have lots of questions and no answers. God brought us here with answers. Amen. And if you're angry with them, you can't tell them the love of Jesus Christ. So that's one of the problems with the gift of prophecy, um, being unforgiving and then condemning themselves. What a lot of people who don't have the gift of prophecy don't know is as hard as the person with the gift of prophecy is on others, they're that hard on themselves because they see their own failings and their own weaknesses. Then um, being impetuous like Peter and uh, cutting off people who fall lacking tactfulness in rebuke, and then dwelling on the negative. Those are the, the abuses or the misuses of the gift of prophecy. All right, so now, if you weren't here last week, we have this recorded for you. You can get that. So now let's look at the gift of ministry. Look back at uh, Romans chapter 12, and this is our lesson for today, and I hope you have your handout ready. All right, the Bible says in verse 7, or ministry, let us wait on our ministry, ministering. Let us wait on our ministering. Now, here's the way that... Hi, Boots. I didn't see you here. I'm glad that you're here. Um, how many of you are glad to see Boots Clausen here with us? Yeah. Amen. All right. Now, I'm glad you all are here too. But. So, here you have this, this passage. And when we look at this, wait on your ministering, here's what we think. We'll wait until God moves you to minister. No, 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 no. It's like a waiter. How many of you hate it when you go to a restaurant and your server waits to minister to you? No, you want them to wait quickly. What is it? It's serving. It's serving. So the idea here, it's very clear. If you have the gift of ministry, then get busy giving yourself to that ministry. All right? Um, let's look at who God has given to us as an example of the minister. And that's Timothy. Timothy, the whole, uh, all of the pastoral epistles, uh, you have First and Second Timothy and Titus. First and Second Timothy are all to this servant, this minister, Timothy, and he's a godly example of this in the Scriptures for us. So when you think of ministry, think of serving. Ministry and serving. Now, in many of the, I, I scoured bookstores and the internet and, and um, preaching and teaching series on the gifts. And it's interesting, most of them change ministry to servant. Ministry to servant. Well, what's interesting is the Bible says ministry. And what this, by, by using the proper term here, it helps us to understand that serving someone is ministry. 
right? It's not that you're just building a house for someone. It is that you're, you're serving them if it is building their house so that they can have a place to worship God, all right? There's a purpose in ministry, serving, all right? Then you honor others by this. Your ministry honors others. There's a certain authority that goes with biblical ministry because you're doing it for the Lord. And then it gives the server protection for the management of his time. It gives the server protection for the management of his time. Someone who has the gift of ministry, they can burn themselves out trying to do every project that they see needs to be done. They just go and go and go and go and go doing stuff that they see needs to be done. Sheila, now did you see what I was talking about? Isn't it fun as you do, as you look at these things that people come to your mind as you see these gifts? All right, so let's look at some of these characteristics and see if anybody comes to your mind. You, now, who here in our testing, you scored high on the gift of ministry? Would you raise your hand? You scored high on the gift of ministry. Okay, they're all over. And what's interesting is the prophets go like this, ministry people. They go like this. Why? Because ministry is a serving gift, not a speaking gift. It doesn't mean that those with the gift of ministry can't speak. Is that they would rather just be doing something than talking about it. All right? So let's look at it. Characteristics. The first one is they see and meet practical needs. They see and meet practical needs. Here's what the, here's what the person with the gift of ministry does. They walk into a room and they say, Has no one noticed this? Am I the only one who can see this? How many of you have ever had that thought? Would you raise your hand? You've had that thought. Ministry. Ministry. All right. Now, um, look with me at Philippians. I'm sorry, that font's so small. We will uh, correct that for the next one. Philippians 2. And look at verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know of your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all men seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of him that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Timothy is a perfect example of this. And it's interesting that God um, sent Timothy to some of the hardest places to serve. He sent him to Crete. And the Bible calls those in Crete um, beasts, liars, slow bellies. That's the way they're described in the Bible. All right, How many of you ever heard somebody called a Cretan? That's what that's talking about. It's the people from Crete. The guy's a Cretan. That's where Timothy went to serve. And then he went to Ephesus and served as the pastor of the church at Ephesus and ultimately died for the faith there, serving. Serving. He's a, a good example of a servant. But look at 2 Timothy 4. Quick to meet the needs of others. He ended up serving Paul. All right, Paul writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, 
For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. Now look, just simple tasks. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. And the books, but especially the parchments. So what is he doing? Timothy is the servant. Timothy is the faithful one to get the, the, the task completed. All these other people are listed. Who does Paul ask to, to bring him the things that he really needs? Timothy. Let me tell you this. The ministry cannot function without the ministers. Right? There's only so many people that can stand up and talk. That's not how the ministry gets done. The ministry gets done with people serving God through the gifts God gave them in ministry. And generally a church will have more ministers than any other class. All right? So they see and meet practical needs. Then they free others to achieve They free others to achieve. Their special joy comes in being being a part of someone else's achievement. You know, they'll they'll build the set. You know, they'll, they'll decorate the car and then just stand back while the people come through. Um, There's someone that I think of whenever I think of this gift, and I'm not going to call his name because he wouldn't want me to but just always wants to make sure that everything is ready for ministry. All right? Um, Free others to achieve. Then, disregard for weariness. Disregard for weariness. These servants work almost ceaselessly beyond the point at which others grow weary. They delight in accomplishing the task and fulfilling someone else's need, and that joy drives them onward. And those with the gift of ministry are always the last to rest. Um, this was, my mom had this gift. She, you know, as dad was planting churches, mom was the church secretary. She worked a job. She helped pay the bills. Um, she, she just did everything in the ministry. She played the piano, and she couldn't play the piano. It was so funny. Every, especially when they began, she knew one song and every, every song sounded the same. But what was she? she was a servant. There was a need. She was just going to get in there and do it. That was, that was mom. And I, I know that many of us, how many of you think of your mom when you think of this? You think of a mom when you think of this. It, that's the natural uh, maternal side of this concept of ministry. And that's the way that the minister is supposed to be to the people of God that same kind of diligent labor uh, beyond the point of their own weariness. They work even though they're tired, and they don't even recognize they're tired until they're done. That's what the servant does. All right, then difficulty in saying no. Difficulty in saying no. God has designed them so that their central motivation in life is to meet needs. Other people may be very self-centered in all their tendencies, but those who are gifted in service are other-centered. They're always wanting to do stuff. Now, how many of you can already see that this might lead to some abuses? Right? All right. Um, So they have a hard time saying no. Then, they're alert to likes and dislikes. They're alert to likes and dislikes. These are the people that if you go to eat at their house, they always remember what you like and don't like. 
right? And I can always tell the people who don't have the gift of ministry when I go to their house and they make a casserole or lasagna. Everybody writing this down? (laughs) No, but honestly, people who have this gift, they love giving gifts and they love doing things and they remember birthdays and anniversaries and... Why? Because they are very alert to what's going on in other people's lives. How many of you think that's important to ministry? Wow. Wow. We've got to have this. They're alert to likes and dislikes. Then they need approval. They need approval. What What are we talking about with this idea of needing approval? Well, affirmation and recognition... Listen, they don't inflate the ego of the servant. These signs of approval confirm that the service has been effective. All right? So they want to know that the service they rendered accomplished something for God. All right? How did it work out? How did that go? And I know that people with our trunk or treat were saying, hey, how many people do we have? How did that work out? Why? Because they invested in it. They care about the result. They're not just out doing for doing's sake. Those who have the spiritual gift of ministry, they want God to be exalted through their labor. And this is where it's really important for leadership to acknowledge that the work was done, to give reports, to give reports. All right? Um, Then, oh, let's look at 1 Corinthians one. I wanted to do that. First Corinthians one. I'm sorry. First Corinthians sixteen. I have two different sets of notes, and that's not working real well for me this morning. First Corinthians sixteen, verse ten. Now, if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, and I look for him with the brethren. So what's going on here? He's saying don't despise him. What is that? Don't ignore. Don't don't just take for granted what he's doing. Be sure to acknowledge the work that he's doing. Servants need to know that their work is accomplishing something. All right. Um, Then the next one is they like short-range projects. They like short-range projects. If you tell somebody with the gift of ministry that, okay, we're going to start this and it's going to take five years. They're out. Why? Because they want to see the results of their labor quickly. So what do these people need then? They need someone with the gift of the ruler to come alongside them. The person with the gift of the ruler, they're the administrator. They're the one who can see the long-range goal, break it down into small tasks, and give those small tasks to those with the gift of ministry so they can affect their gifts immediately. And they keep it running, keep it running, keep it running. See, I'm a big-picture guy. I'm the dreamer. I see the way everything's supposed to, to happen. I have a little bit of the administration. I could say, okay, let's do this. But after that, I'm done. I'm on to the next project. We need somebody with a gift of administration, the gift of the ruler, who says, no, 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 can't do that until we get this. You're going too far down the road. You've got to stop here. You've got to get here. So how are we going to do that? Okay, let's get the ministers together. They'll get this task done. 
See, that's how the ministry is supposed to work. It's almost like God knew what he was doing. God has arranged all of this. So they like short-range projects. All right? And then they put extra touches to jobs. They put extra touches to jobs. My dad was this way. Um, you know, as he was planting his churches, he had a furniture repair business. We always worked in the shop together. And I remember one time he was refinishing this desk, and he was spending a bunch of time on the back of this drawer. And, you know, big picture guy, Dad, nobody's going to see that. No, I didn't say it that way to him because that would not have worked out well for me. Uh, I said, Dad, why are you spending so much time on the back of that drawer? No one's going to see it. He said, I'll know it's there. Isn't that interesting? What he was doing, it was going to be done well, and it was going to be done right. Okay? So they like to put extra touches to jobs. Then they meet needs quickly. They see something that needs to be done. They just jump in and do it. All right? These are the people um, we were talking. We, we ate with Thelma the other day. Hi, Thelma. We ate at Thelma's house, and we ate very well, by the way. And she was telling us stories about the ministry here, and she was talking about painting the fellowship hall when it was first done. And that was before this part was built, right? It was just, all it was was the basement. And she got here and she had a brand new dress. The painting needed to be done, so she started painting. And she got paint all over her new, her new dress. Why? There was a need and she took it right away. She took care of it immediately. Now, she's still bitter about the dress, but that's another conversation. <laughs> all right? They meet needs quickly. Now, this is an interesting one. They often feel unqualified for spiritual leadership. They often feel unqualified for spiritual leadership. They don't feel that they're particularly gifted in ministry. They're just good at getting stuff done. That's not true. That's not true. And that's where they need the exhorter to come alongside them and say, no, God has other jobs for you besides only ministry. Isn't that good? That's why God puts the different gifts together. Now, misuses. What are some misuses of this spiritual gift? Giving unrequested help. Giving unrequested help. How many of you ever had somebody do a job for you that you really wish they hadn't done? All right. Yeah. Amen. All of us. All of us. Then, letting things... Let me say this. Giving unrequested help. What the server will do, the person with the gift of ministry, they'll jump in and do a job and the ruler already had an order in which that job should be done. And they mess it up. Right? And what's the worst thing that you can tell a person with the gift of ministry? You messed this up. Why? Because all of their self-worth is built up in the job they just did. Or it's wrapped up in the job they just did. And now, when you tell them they didn't do it right, they're crushed. Do you know what? People will leave a church over something like that. How many of you think that's probably a misuse of your gift? Right? All right. So then, letting things be too important. Letting things be too important. Um, here's what can happen. Uh, Brother Sexton, where I went to college the third time, he, he was the president there, and he said um, that people were complaining that they were painting the church walls too often and that if we stopped bringing all these poor kids in, we wouldn't have to worry about that so much. So he preached a message, and he would preach it every year um, from the book of Proverbs that says, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. 
And his message was, keep the ox and clean the crib. Why? Because, listen, the, build, the, the ministry is not for the building. The building is for the ministry. But now, before we all get too on our high horse on this thing, the person who spent all the time painting the wall, they care that it stays nice, right? So watch your feet. Amen? The person who cleans the bathroom, men, really wishes that you would clean up after yourself. You pigs. <laughs> How many of you ever walked into men's room and you said, are there only pigs? Around? How many of you ever thought that? All right, so what are we doing? You say, Pastor, I think you're defeating your point. No, 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 no. What we're supposed to do is understand that if we're going to minister to people, let's pay attention to the people who serve, the person who cleans. You know, I can always tell the heart of a pastor. The Lord has opened doors for me. I get to travel a lot, and I meet a lot of other preachers. And I'm always interested to see how a preacher treats the waiter at the restaurant or the waitress at the restaurant. I've been with preachers who are horrible to those people. Well, that, that just tells me that this is probably not a guy that I want to spend a lot of time with, right? So what are we supposed to do? We, the, the servant, the minister, the person with the gift of ministry needs to understand that things are not more important than people. Amen? And the rest of us need to appreciate the work that the ministers do. How's that for a good balance? Right? All right. Then... I'll give you an example of this. Um, my friend Dalton Robertson, he pastors in a swamp, Callahan, Florida. Literally, it's in a, they have alligators in their backyard. Okay? It's, they, they, they are in a swamp. And they have tried to landscape the grounds. And so then some of the teenage boys go running through the new bushes and the new flowers and just tear it all up. And so he says, don't do that. We just, we just fixed all this up. And here's what one of the kids said. That's Yankee. Really? I'd say, well, this Yankee's about to beat your tail. <laughs> You're not going to walk through the bushes. But what's interesting is the attitudes of people. So what do you do? You've got to draw a line right there. What am I going to do? I'm going to try and teach this child how to behave properly without destroying them for messing up the bushes. There's that balance. The, the facility has to look nice for people to come. Let me give you, I'm going to make a statement that some of you will not like. All right, you ready for this? Who, who's ready to get mad? Ready? All right. <laughs> ready? People will step up in class to go to church, but they won't step down. Now, I know there are people who think, well, it shouldn't be like that. Well, I ought to be 6'4". Okay, what am I saying? People who look at the world in a certain way, if they walk into a church building and it's dirty and things aren't done well, they won't come back. Right? People who are used to things being dirty and not done well, they'll walk into a church where it looks nice and they'll think, oh, this is nice. See the difference? You all see the difference? So that's where we need to understand that things are not more important to people, but if we do things right, then we'll get more people. Right? All right. So that's the balance that we have to have. Then one of the other misuses for the person with the gift of ministry is working beyond physical limits. Working beyond physical limits. This is burnout. And a lot of people with the gift, often people with the gift of ministry, they just commit themselves to too much. Now, how many of you know someone 
who has the gift of ministry who has committed themselves to too much. Hold up your hands. All right? Yeah. How many of you are married to them? <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. You watch these people. They run and they run and they run. And here's what they get frustrated with. They don't feel like they're doing anything well. Right? Why? Because they see the need. They're going to get it done. What does the person with the gift of ministry need? They need a ruler. They need somebody with a gift of administration to help them order their projects. And one of the problems in ministry, one of the problems in ministry is that people don't fulfill their roles. We need organizers to step up and speak out. One of the problems with a ruler, and we're going to look at it in a few weeks, one of the problems with the ruler is they don't like to tell people what to do. They know what to do, but they don't like to speak it. Right? So what do they need? They need some help from the exhorter. You need to tell people what they need to do. Do you see how it all fits together? And then God's work, it moves on well. Then another misuse, neglecting God-given priorities. Neglecting God-given priorities. The person with the gift of ministry would much rather paint the wall than knock on the door. Which one do you think is more important to God? Knocking on the door. The person with the gift of ministry would rather vacuum the rug than they would give someone the gospel. Which one do you think is more important to God? The gospel. The gospel. So what do we do? We need to understand God's priorities and use our gifts in God's priorities. Then, reacting to overlooked needs. Reacting to overlooked needs. We addressed this already. Can't anyone else here see this problem? Right? Then, what's another misuse? Resenting lack of appreciation. Resenting lack of appreciation. And I'll tell you what, the person with the gift of ministry, if they get in the flesh, nobody knows how much I do around here. How many of you ever heard somebody say something like that? I'm just, you, I'm just a slave. Everybody expects me to... You took the job yourself. How many of you ever felt that way in response to that? Right? So what do we do? We've got to make sure that we're walking in the Spirit and doing things right. Then, working people around their schedule. Working people around their schedule. Here's what the server can do. The server can neglect things at home while they're taking care of the world. Right? How many of you know of the mechanic that works on everybody's cars and his wife's car doesn't run? My mom had a table, this pie crust table, Chippendale-type table, that uh, the, the little pieces were broken off it my whole life. I kept saying, Dad, when are you going to fix this? Oh, I'll get to it. Then he was doing something for somebody else in another situation. Right? That's the server. That's the server. And that's one of the misuses. Then how about this? Being frustrated with time limits. Being frustrated with time limits. Now, we talked about them liking short-term goals, but when the ruler comes in and says, hey, I need this done by such and such a time, I'm doing the best I can. Right? That's part of it. Got to be careful with that. Because the ruler has to give time limits or the job will never get done. Then, interfering with God's discipline. Interfering with God's discipline. And this is where you, you've heard us reference this before. It's taking the place of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people have needs in their life because they're not walking right, they're not doing right, and they need to bear the weight of that chastisement. Many times servers jump in too quickly without submitting to the biblical leadership that God has placed in their lives, and they begin doing things. So let's put it this way. 
Let's say that the Keekins, you see a need in the Keekins' life. Okay? And the news see this need and they jump in and they're going to meet that need. Well, I as the pastor have been watching the situation and the reason they have that need is because they're not doing right. And they might need to stew in their own juices for a little while. How many of you ever heard that term? Yeah. Well, the server, the minister, that kills them to see that. So what does the server need? The server needs to submit to the one with prophecy. That's got to work together in that. And so what happens is the server can remove the sting of sin from a person's life. And that's not good for anybody. That's not good for anybody. All right, then. All right, marks of godly service. What does this look like? And I don't think you have any blanks to fill out here. I think I just filled them in for you. But look at this. Number one, be alert. Be alert. The person with the gift of ministry needs to be aware of what's going on around them because, look, folks, I want you to understand something. There are needs on every pew in this room. We need ministers to help meet those needs within the confines of God's, of God's authority. All right? So be alert. Then be hospitable. Be hospitable. The way that you find out about needs is by spending time with people. How many of you ever said this? I would have done something if I had only known. And our ministers, our servants, always say that. Now look, and they mean it. They mean it. But this is where we need godly fellowship. We need to be together so that we can know what needs need to be met. Then be generous. Be generous. One of the things that the server can do if they're not careful in their serving is they can get spread too thin. They get spread too thin. And then they begin to resent the amount of money that it's costing them. Don't raise your hands on this. I know there are people that have begun helping others and then all of a sudden they realize the person they're helping is in trouble for a reason. And now all of a sudden you feel responsible for all of their needs. And if you had listened to godly leadership before you went in there, you might have saved yourself a lot of money and a lot of trouble. Right? Some people have a hard life because they stink at life. There was not one amen on that. The way of the transgressors is hard. That's what the Bible says. And it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. All right? So, be generous. Then, be joyful. Serve with joy. Serve with joy. Not as a drudgery. Then be flexible. Be flexible. Boy, I'll tell you what. When a server has something they think needs to be done, you better not try and dissuade them from their course. All right? So this is where I think of my wife. If I say we're eating at McDonald's and we go to Burger King, she's mad for three years. <laughs> you know? Be flexible. Be flexible. Um, then be available. If you have the gift of ministry, let me get, let's just be real now, okay? This ministry can't continue without ministers. Be available. When a job needs to be done, be available. We're going to be remodeling the bathrooms downstairs in the fellowship hall. I need someone who has that gift of administration to take over that for me. And then we need people who can carry boards, cut boards, lay boards, paint walls, you know, lay tile, whatever. That, that's what we need. We, we need those of you who have those gifts to be available to the rulers, to the people with administration who see the big picture so we can get this job accomplished. Amen? So what we're doing is we're taking the, 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 the concept and bringing it down to the fellowship hall, the task that needs to be done. All right? 
be available. Then be diligent in seeing a job to its conclusion or completion. Be diligent in seeing a job to its completion. One of the things that a servant does, a person with the gift of ministry, they commit themselves to too many things and they don't finish certain jobs. How many of you would say, who have the gift of ministry, would say, yep, that's me. Raise your hand. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, that's me. You know, I've got, we remodeled our house 11 years ago, 10 years ago. It's time to remodel it again, and there are jobs from the first one that aren't done yet. Okay? It's, that's me. All right, then remember. Remember. Remember Mary and Martha. Look at Luke chapter 10. How many of you have already been thinking about Mary and Martha in this conversation? Look at Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Luke 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. This is Jesus. He entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much, was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Mary, what are you doing? There's work to be done here. We have a job that we got to get done. I can't, this is my house. We have a guest here. And look, at what's he going to think if this food's not ready? What's he going to think if the table's not set right? No, no, the fork goes on the other side of the plate. Right? And what's she doing? Mary doing? Worshiping Jesus. What's more important, the fork on the right side of the plate or Jesus? Right? All right, then look at what it says. 41. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha... Martha, don't you love the text? The way it, in, in the Greek, you don't know this. I'm, I'm trained. Chill. <laughs> okay, Martha, Martha, thou art careful, full of care, and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. See, this is where we have to understand where the painting of the wall fits into the ministry. The people are much important, more important than the wall. Worshiping Christ, doing it for Him is much more important than the task. So remember, Mary and Martha. Then, Timothy. Remember Timothy. God used Timothy greatly, and the instruction that God, through the Apostle Paul, gave Timothy, I use it every, every day of my life, that instruction that was given to the servant, to the minister, Timothy. Then, look at Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 23. This is what those who have the gift of ministry need to remember. Colossians 3, verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily. Now look, as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. You see that? Those of you who have the gift of ministry, here's what we, are, we have to be careful. You're not doing it for the people around you. You're doing it for the Lord. Do it for Him, and then who's going to give you the reward? The Lord will. So if you don't get the recognition here on earth, and now listen, as the pastor, it's my job to make sure you get that recognition. Well, I forget stuff. I miss it. If you remember that it's for the Lord, 
Man, that helps your spirit so much. Then, look at John 13. John 13, verse 15. I think this right here, it just puts a cap on all of it. It, it's, it helps us to understand it. All right, Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet. So John 13, look at verse 15. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Remember, servants, your ministry is not more important than the Lord. Keep your ministry in its proper place. And you know what God will give you? Joy. God will give you joy. And if everyone will practice this gift of ministry and do it right, do it well, then we will have a good church. Now, I want to remind you of something. Just because you don't, didn't score high on the gift of ministry, that doesn't mean you're not supposed to paint the wall. Right? Just as the person who didn't score as high on the gift of a teacher is still your responsibility to give the gospel and teach somebody the truth of the Word of God. There are commands and there are gifts. God gifts certain individuals to teach the rest of us how to do that. And I think that we should all try to be like Christ. And who was the greatest servant that ever lived? Jesus. Jesus. He was the master and the servant. Imagine that. Only Jesus can be that. Let's be like Him. So those of you who have the gift of ministry... I hope the Lord's spoken to you today. I hope the Lord has helped you to understand your giftedness. I hope that you see a task and you'll talk to the administration and find out when that task needs to be completed or ask where you can serve. Then the rest of us need to jump in and minister right alongside them. Why? So they don't get tired. Amen. Thank you, Lord, so much for Grace Baptist Church.